podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. Woo! Okay, another COVID edition. Um, I will say to our audience today, we are going to start our YouTube channel. This one will probably be up there. It's super exciting because somebody told me yesterday that our reactions were just so funny that we needed to put this up on YouTube so people could see <laughs> we have. Well, plus meet the authors and stuff. And I think it's fun. And who gives a flying crap? We're all sitting at home anyway. At least we put on <laughs> pants today. That might be a lie. I maybe didn't put on pants. Okay. So I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is... Vanessa Valiente. And our guest today, I just want to make sure I say this completely correctly, is Martika Carland. Right? Did Correct. I say Yes. <laughs> okay. So... Yay, let's talk about what we're drinking, because we always do, so you guys can drink along with us. I've had this cup, It's it says the boss on it, it's really funny, but it's huge, and I've had it for 25 years. It's oh, so wow. bizarre. But in it today is Coffee and Ginger Whiskey by Misunderstood, is the name of the brand that does the ginger whiskey, and it's amazing, hashtag if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> okay, Vanessa, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a good old Captain and Coke, and over yonder is some coffee, just in case if I need to pick me up. Gotta have coffee. Awesome. <laughs> Martika, what are you drinking? Well, got my red solo cup. Woo! With my captain. Woo! Woo! Captain! Woo! <laughs> and my Coke! Hashtag another sponsorship opportunity, obviously. I'm not judged here. That's it, fine. This okay. is not planned, I swear. Barbie was quick to point out that the jug is almost empty. Mm. I, I don't think so. I think that's a badge of honor. That's a <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> I used to have like a small little, you know, liquor setup. People come over, just what I like to drink. And then I started this podcast. And there's an entire kitchen counter that is just alcohol. And every now and then my boyfriend's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, it's for the podcast. It's a very impressive display. I saw it yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, yeah, no, totally for the podcast. It's a business expense. <laughs> okay, Martika, here's the thing. I looked you up, obviously, Cyberstalked you. Um, let's tell the audience who doesn't necessarily know you, what do you write? Mostly the last year or so, I've been doing a lot of MC romance, which I, in the past, I've done a lot of interracial stuff because I used to partner with Shara Azad, and she got me into that with her. I also partnered a little bit with Beautiful Trouble Publishing, which both of those are heavily interracial romance type stuff. Learned a lot about romance in general and everything else, but when I started uh, mostly back with Changeling after Shara took a break and Beautiful Trouble, they kind of do their own thing anymore. Um, and I've been with Changeling for 15 years. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that was the that was the thing that they were that they were really working with at the time and what had most success for them at the time. So I tried it and I have enjoyed the piss out of it. It's been so much fun to write because there's literally no boundaries anywhere. I mean, whatever you want to try, 
the readers are willing to give you a shot and you just got to pay attention to people you know what do they what do they want what what feels good to them and i have enjoyed it so much and the readers have been so wonderful to me and it's just been a fabulous experience well seeing your covers and you going i enjoyed it so much there are so many incredibly hot bad boys on your cover. <laughs> we were admiring them yesterday, and I was like, Whoa, I can't wait to talk to her. Yeah. Like, well, hello, cowboy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hell yeah. When did you start writing? Uh, sci-fi, sci-fi, paranormal type stuff, mostly science fiction was what I started. Uh, the first book that I ever wrote and completed went to Changeling Press, obviously, um, and it was a heavily science fiction romance. Invasion of the world, kill everybody, woo kind of thing. And, it was the first book that I ever, that I ever did and completed, and they sent it back for rewrites with not an outright rejection, but just like, you know, look, bitch. <laughs> you need to do this and I'm like okay and it just kind of I think it was more of a test kind of to see because at that time there was a lot of uh people getting into the online and e-publishing and stuff like that and they wanted to see you know are are these authors willing to work with us are they willing to do what it needs to do to make this book the best it can be and so I, I added another 15,000 words to it or so and what did the changes that they asked and they accepted it, and it just kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> I would not say downhill. Your, no. your catalog no, is amazing. No, definitely not. But it's just kind of like, I felt like I got into this hole, and Margaret is like the most wonderful person in the face of the planet, and she's like my surrogate mother now. And it's just like she'll get on Trillion, and she's like, okay, you need to do this for me this month, and you've got two weeks to do it. And I'm like, and uh, try to do it anyway. <laughs> wow. Like Erica Are, to me. <laughs> Vanessa, what were you saying? I was saying, that sounds like an Erica to me, because she does that. She's like, so Vanessa, where are you on your manuscripts? And I'd be like, I don't know. And then she'd be like, okay, uh, give me a different answer now. Yeah. Give me a date of when this will be done. Oh, I yeah. Do that Margaret, Margaret calls and sings to us, and it's not pretty. And she calls me at work, and right now her mission is to get me to – to quit my day job so she'll call me at work and i'll be like carl you know this is the busiest time of day she goes and <laughs> well and, well that leads to a couple other questions vanessa i appreciate and don't appreciate the version of me that you just did because it's too accurate and whatever i yes i'm a little bit of a drill sergeant when it comes to authors i work with because i feel like and this was going to be my question some people work really great with deadlines and some people need to be like pushed in the direction of that deadline. So how do you feel? Is it better for you to have these deadlines? Probably because I'm the world's worst procrastinator <laughs> and little online Facebook games are the bane of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> Social media is I think one of the devils for any writer's existence. Like, it's, like, you know, oh, it's just one if second. it wasn't for those little games, I wouldn't get so distracted. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. Okay, so what truly got you? Okay, when did you start writing? When did you begin? In the third grade. No, that's perfect. We have, um, we're, we're producing a teen angst anthology <laughs> at the end of this year. 
And we want writers to send us all their teenage stuff unedited, just pictures of like their journals and crap. Oh my gosh. I think my mom may still have the story somewhere. I don't know. My teacher really, really liked it. And it was like everybody, of course, like I said, third grade, right? So everybody's writing these little paragraph stories, you know, one little, you know, this happened. It was a Halloween story. And I ended up with like a page and a half. Wow. As a third grader, and it like had all my classmates in it, and everybody was going into this haunted mansion. And I mean, it wasn't like they were getting killed or anything like that. It wasn't like gory or anything, but still, we were all going into this haunted mansion, and we got scared and all this kind of stuff, and everybody ran out. And I don't know if there was actually a hero in the story or anything yet, but everybody got out alive, and it was all good, right? I, I, <laughs> so I don't know if my mom still has the copy story. of that, but I I need to find it somewhere and take a picture of it because it's just too too cute. <laughs> need to do that i think we need to include it even though it's not a teenage one i want to include it in the <laughs> anthology i absolutely want to put it in there so, <laughs> you started writing when did you first actually you talked about your first book but when did you um take it a little more seriously to go towards actually publishing a book honestly i didn't think that i would ever be able to just because i knew nothing about how to submit to a new york press i knew nothing about you know, agents and editors and every, all I knew how to do was put words on a page. And sometimes it was good and sometimes it wasn't so good. And sometimes it was just, you know, stuff in a drawer. Don't ever pull it out, you know, burn it if you can. <laughs> what really, what really, I guess, made me think that maybe I've got a shot at this was when I started reviewing for a little site called Timeless Tales. Brianna, um, somebody I can't remember St. James maybe she was an editor ended up being an editor at Alora's Cave back in the day and was their submissions editor I guess after that for literally until they closed the doors uh, she started that as a just a review site and I started finding out you know hey these books are you know, online and you can, the publishers are, everything's online. You know, that's when I started looking into it. It's like, you know, you've got these places to choose from and all of these different types of books. And it's not just stuff you go buy in Walmart. I mean, I was reading stuff. It's the first time I'd ever picked up an erotica book in my life. Oh. And it was, they really couldn't decide how to label it, I guess, at the time. It was right when Alora's Cave started. So that's when you first got the Romantica kind of thing where you, you hybrid erotica and romance and get erotic romance and that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to anything like that it was just like holy fucking shit this is great and then I got a hold of some books that you know I was kind of like you know I can do that I, I can it may not be that good but I can follow a story I can do that so this is what I've always wanted to do and you know why not give it a try and it just you know kind of snowballed I had what I guess what really gave me the time to do it was when I had my son and I was off work for, you know, a couple months uh, on maternity leave and everything. And I just kind of tried to work through it from there. And I had never finished a story. My English teachers hated that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I would get notes at the bottom. Uh, where's the rest of it? <laughs> but but um, it, that was, you know, marked the beginning of a new chapter in my life and it had if it hadn't been for these and then of course then I get to finding out the whole history of ebooks and everything in the Laura's cave and how it all came about and Margaret was actually in on that on the ground floor Margaret Riley um, before she started Changeling Press and 
you know, she kind of took me under my wing and I cannot stress enough how much she's helped me through this whole journey. And it's been wonderful. No, oh, that is amazing. So you, you mentioned you have a full-time gig. Me and Vanessa still have full-time gigs. We talk about that on the podcast. Um, wh what is causing you not to cut the cord and just go full-time? You've got quite a few books. Well, I have in the past. And for lack of a better reason, when the bottom falls out, the bottom fucking falls out. I went from making it 1.2 grand a month, which isn't a lot to a lot of people, but I went from doing that to 200 a month in the space of like two months. And it wasn't because I wasn't putting out books. It was just the market that I was writing for at the time was not good for me. And it just all kind of fell. So right now I consider myself making decent money for what I do. I mean, not nearly like what other people in the same genre are doing, but just that one little bit, you know, all it takes is a month. And now if you've got, of course, Amazon is, you know, two months behind, you got two months to prepare for it. And, you know, I can't, if I can't pay my bills, then, you know, what do I do? So no, yeah, I've, I've, I've quit before and I'm not going to say I won't quit again, but it's just to, in this kind of the way the economy is right now, and we don't know what's going to happen with the COVID thing, and, you know, are we going to be locked down again? And if we do, are people going to have money? And if they don't have money, are they really going to want to buy a book? <laughs> you know? No, it, it's true, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, I think that um, just for a lot of people listening who are authors, I know that's a huge sect of our audience and drinkers just kidding no there's a lot of people that for whatever reason find us entertaining but that's cool um we love you um is that it is you know when you talk about working and writing full time i think it's a reality check that when you do that it is great if you can make you know five figures every month yay that's amazing but that is sometimes the exception not the rule the goal when you're a writer, I think, has to be if you're going to write full time, what are what are your bills? Where are you at? What do you have to make to not I don't want to say survive, but you're not necessarily going to be maintain. luxurious in your activity. Like right. you just want to maintain what you've got. You don't necessarily need or at least for me, I don't necessarily need more, but I don't want to lose what I have. I don't want to lose. You know, we bought here just recently. We bought a Pioneer 1000 side by side for our farm and everything and do we need it probably not do i want to give it up hell no fuckers fun as shit out in the woods i mean it's great so i don't want to lose what i've got i want to keep where i'm at and i just don't i can't do that with my day job alone i've expanded out too much i guess probably where writing is no longer a oh great i did wonderful this month i could get a new computer you know that kind of thing it's become you know, I got to pay the bills out of this one. You know, I have to make the house payment out of this. I have to make the car payment out of this. And, and I swore I never would get to that point. But after 15 years, when you've had that coming in, even if it's just $100 a month, you know, you kind of get to where you depend on it. It's just like anything else. So, you know, if I quit my job and the bottom falls out of it, not only have I lost that then, but I've lost my insurance because, you know, there's no way we can afford to pay for that outright. So, you know day job is a necessary evil even though i do love my co-workers and would do anything in the world for them except give them my pen they cannot have my pen <laughs> oh my <laughs> it's so true i have a, a <laughs> acquisition zone that surrounds me for some reason 
And I don't take them intentionally, but for whatever reason, I wind up with pens all over my, I'm like, where did these pens come from? I don't know how that happens at work. It's really bizarre. You're a pen thief. You're yeah. going to hell. <laughs> I work in the emergency department. I'm the unit secretary, so I get to sit behind the desk and direct traffic, right? So you can literally lay a $20 bill down on the nurse's station, and it will still be there two shifts from now. But if you lay food or an ink pen down, it will be gone before you can fucking turn around. <laughs> And the rural, our rule used to be no name, fair game. But in an ink pens case, even if you have your name on it, they will peel that sub bitch off and it will be theirs. <laughs> I can, I can are not something you mess around with, okay? Food, maybe you might get away. I mean, they probably won't take your food if you've got your name on it. But if it's on a piece, if it's like taped on with a piece of tape, yeah, they'll peel that sub bitch off and it'll be gone. You got to oh do it in permanent, permanent Sharpie. I'm just saying, permanent That's Sharpie. Awesome. You got to invest in a permanent Sharpie. That sounds like my job when we used to work in our office building. We're all like temporarily working from home until the end of the year. But if you left any kind of free food that wasn't labeled on a table, it would be gone because yes, everyone wanted a chance for some free snacks. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Okay, let's talk about. So how many books total do you have out? Oh, God. I think right now it's hovering somewhere around 56 or so. We've combined several. I think at any at any point in time, every book that I've written separated out, not in box set, everything like that. I was around 120, 130, but we've condensed a bunch down to box sets. A couple have gone out of print that I've just not redone because I wanted to do a re-edit on and, you know, things like that. So I think I'm down right now. It's somewhere in the 50s. I have to go check. I counted yesterday. I swear I counted yesterday because I knew you were going to ask that because I listened <laughs> to Michelle's and I was prepared, God damn it. And now I can't remember. <laughs> Well, that's the drinking. I love because you're not the only one that's come on this podcast and gone, I listened to you, so I was prepared. Then I asked a question, and they're like, I don't remember. <laughs> I went and counted it. I swear to God. Because my website is like, label it really now. I've got five bucks per row, and I go count the rows and, and subtract the one and, and all this stuff. And I had the number. I had the number. It was in the 50s. I don't remember much else. I, I, I just like that. That's okay. I think in the 50s is still, and especially <laughs> over 100 normally, that's so, fucking impressive. So. That is amazing. How many well, books do you put out a year? Right now, I'm on a monthly schedule, so I'm going to be this year anywhere from 10 to 12 books. Uh, anywhere from 20 to 30,000 words. Some of them are a little longer, 35 maybe, but that's just because I've tried to adapt to the genre uh, that I've been writing currently. The MC authors like a little bit, or the MC readers like a little bit longer. And I think right now the girl that has been helping me the most, uh, Harley Wilde, she goes anywhere from forty to 50,000 words. So I'm trying to get up that far. But right now with the day job and trying to do one a month, it's really hard to get up there. But currently, I think at the end of this year, I should have at least 10, if not 12 books out. Wow. It's okay. a blistering pace. It's a blistering pace. And one I struggle to keep up with sometimes, just... And I can't even blame it on the day job because I was furloughed for two months back in the height of this, back in April and May and the early part of June, and I caught up. But that's pretty much all I managed to do is just kind of catch myself up so I wasn't so behind. And that's the reason Margaret's trying to push for me to quit the day job. So I'd not, not necessarily for my sanity, but so I don't fuck with her schedule. No, as a publisher, I can, I can 
super <laughs> you clarified. totally get that, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. So, still have a day job, publisher. Vanessa will tell you that whole part of me that's like, you need to get your writing done gets amplified from the publishing standpoint of this book is on pre-order. You have a week. And you need to do us. <laughs> well, it's supposed to have been up two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. Get, and get, for get us, order. what we do, we put it up on pre-order and you have to meet that deadline on Amazon or you're screwed. Like Amazon doesn't play around with that stuff. Oh. If you don't meet it, they're done with you pre-ordering anything. Oh, they're like, yeah. no, you screwed that up. You can't yeah. get another pre-order. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about your writing process. If you're doing 20 to 30,000 words a month, I'm so jealous. So um, how, how many, when you sit down on average, when you're not near Facebook in the cute little games, um, how many, how many words uh, per hour can you get done if you're on a, a good clip, like you're on a good pace? If I'm on a good pace and I'll, I like to use the example of um, my son does some, uh, stuff at a couple of the colleges in Tennessee, um, like through the summer and things, and he'll have like a, a day where they have like a whole day and they're doing classes. And I go, and we're three hours away. I'm not paying for a motel room, so I'm sitting in my car, right? I'll get on with a couple of my buddies, and we'll have what we call sprints. I'm sure you're both familiar oh, with yeah. them. We'll get on, and we'll have to pay you 30 minutes. What's your word count? And I think over a 30-minute period, if I'm sitting there just, you know, and the word's just vomiting it off the off the keyboard down to the page I in 30 minutes I can probably do seven to eight hundred words I think at one point I got 900 words um, but my problem is focus if I ever stop to go to the bathroom to get a bite to eat it'll take me another two hours to get back into it <laughs> I'll do I'll have an hour where I'll do 150 words you know, and it's really frustrating, but if I can get into that good clip and get my mind right and know where the story's going and not have to stop and adjust myself, then I can, I can get, I can get eight to 900 words in a 30 minute period. Wow. That's impressive. That is super awesome. Well, it goes back to my early days when I was a data entry operator and when they stressed, you know, you got to get those, you got to get those keystrokes in, you got to get, you know, all this. So I learned how to pick up my words and my accuracy. So that much as I hated that job, it kind of helped me later on in life. I mean, I could type, but not anything like what it was when you're trying to make production just to get a little bit extra. (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally. Okay, so let's talk about your process then. At 12 books a month, um, so first of all, do you come up with the idea? I'm assuming you come up with the ideas for all of the books, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your process? We love, you know, the pantser, plancer, pa- uh, uh, plotter, um, uh, method writer. Like, we've come up with so many different versions of that. Um, the outliner, you know, and, you know, there are those of us like me, I'm, I'm squarely in the cancer situation, but where are you at? I do a little bit of both right now. Currently, I guess the last damn flaw, the last, (laughs) when you pick up the damn flaw swat, they disappear. I was like, God damn, fucking little beast. Anyway, so the last book I did was a combination. I started out kind of pantsing it. I knew sort of what I wanted to do, but then as it got halfway through the book, I started to slow down and really, really struggle. So I'm like, okay, I've got to have an idea where I'm going. I've got to have an idea. So I just sat down at the bottom of the document because I work everything in Google Docs because I'm a 
technically challenged kind of individual. And if I do it in Word, which I have tried, if anything happens to my computer, I am so fucked. <laughs> so I do everything in Google Docs. And I can work from my phone. I can work from the computer. I can work from another computer. I can work from wherever. But anyways, at the bottom of my document, I just started typing out, okay, this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen next. If I thought of a cute little line I wanted somebody to say, I would go ahead and type it in like I was writing it and everything like that. And just as it was kind of flowing that way, I had the whole second half of the book basically written. You just have to fill in the gaps. Just have to go back through and add the scene, add, you know, the emotion and the senses and all this stuff. But everything was done. And it was probably another page and a half. And I, out of that, I got probably 40 pages. Oh, you know, wow. you just kind of, that was the second whole half of the book. And I've done that before. I've done that before. And I find it helps me not only focus, but it also gives me a, um, I guess, a, a place to go. And it ups my word count, really. I, not intentionally. It just, because I know what's going and I know what that scene needs and what I need to do to make it a full body scene, something that you can get inside of and see, then it, you know, it turns into more than what I've written. And if I, it's just kind of like, I guess, maybe a second or third draft, you could say, of the, the finished product would be a second or third draft of it. And then, of course, you go back and do the whole other thing. But by the time you get to that point, you've already really got the first, the first draft done at the bottom of your page when it's just no dialogue. It's just, this is what's going to happen and everything like that. And so... For you, um, once you start drafting to like at least to the end of a first draft, like how long do you have like an average time frame that you have with all of your books? No, um, I wish I, I wish I did. I would like to be, I would like to have it exactly on a schedule. And I will say, um, since I started using, I don't know if anybody's used the Nano website, the Nano Rotmo oh, yeah. website, they've got a, you can just put in your word count, yeah, you put in your word count, and it just, you know, increments you every day, and you've got, say, you've allowed two weeks for that book, and you put in your word count every day, it shows you where you should be versus where you are, and I find that at the top, I'll start, woo, and then it kind of goes, woo, and then it kind of, <laughs> and so it, my husband's like, does that even, why do you even do that, I'm like, it makes me accountable for what I'm doing. It holds me accountable. This is where I want to be. This is where I have told myself I'm going to be. And that kind of helps. But at the same time, and then at the end of that, I should have another week to a week and a half to go through the whole thing again as a second draft and a third draft before. And I've got time to get to my beta readers or whatever before I actually have to turn it in. So, I mean, on average, I'm probably giving myself two and a half weeks to write the book and then another week and a half or so to finish it up before I turn it into my editor. Oh, wow. But that's still, that's phenomenal. All of that. That is amazing that you do that. I don't, I don't do very well. That's the plan. I don't do very well with that. <laughs> sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm there. Most of the time I'm not, but I just do the, you know, do the best I can and, and try not to cause anybody a heart attack too much. <laughs> no, I, it, yeah, no, I think that that's phenomenal. Okay, so let's talk about, so you're with publishers, you're with small presses? Yes. Have you always been uh, well, with small presses? Uh, no, I mean, I do some self-publish stuff, but yeah, mostly always small presses. I mean, uh, for me, it takes the behind-the-scenes aspect out of it, which I'm not great at. Not because I'm, not, I'm lazy or don't want to do it, it's 
that if I'm going to get out the next book in the next month, I don't have time to find an editor, go through my edits and make sure, you know, and then I, I still have to hire these people to do this. And it's, I just, I can't afford it, number one. And number two, I just don't have the knowledge to do it correctly. And I mean, I have worked, Beautiful Trouble was very meticulous about their edits and their proofing and, you know, everything. Changeling is the same way. And the others that I've been with, I've been with a couple others and most of those are no longer with us, if that, you know, may kind of explain some of it. But I find that it's really hard to find somebody that meticulous that respects what I'm doing as an author and doesn't try to shove me into something that I don't really want to do. Um, Changeling and Beautiful Trouble both were very good to do that. And Shara, Shara was, she wasn't, Shara Zod wasn't really a publisher per se. She was more of a brand and she just published books for other authors too under her brand. And she was really good about it too. I helped her like as a partner uh, for several years before uh, she took a break. But I like going with a publisher because it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, going to work uh, for somebody else versus having your own business. I don't have to worry about accounting. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, making sure everybody's got insurance. I don't have to worry about X, Y, and Z. All I've got to do is my job. And for me, that works because my mind is just not geared toward any other way. And it just helps to be able to turn the book in and say, here, have at it. I'll do whatever you want. And, you know, it, they get the edits out, they get the proofing through, they get, you know, everything. And then if there's questions, they come back to me. And I ultimately, I guess, have the final say in how they want to do that. But I don't have to work with everything else so that I miss something. That's my biggest fear is that, you know, I'll put something out there and I'll miss a huge thing, which has happened, which is why a couple of the books that I've got now that I'm really proud of need another edit. And I've just not gone back through and rewritten them for that edit but yeah mostly small publishing houses and I like that I like the small atmosphere of it I like the fact that I can call Margaret at any time of the day or send her an email and she emails me back which I don't think I would get that with the bigger bigger places right. no I That's don't just, think you do unless you're JK Rawlings they might email you back right away <laughs> but I mean it's true and I, and I love that you're saying that because we're we also um, and we talk about this we have a small press it's called Four Horsemen Publications we started it up this year, but we did it for all the reasons that you just said, because there's a lot of amazing writers out there that just want to write. But mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted to say is that I love that you talked about these two great presses, because a lot of times on here, we, um, we hear about all the horror stories, and there are unfortunately so many horror stories for authors when it comes to publishing small presses, presses that were paying their authors the money that they earned. Like there's unfortunately a list of them so when you do find small presses that work with you and that are great i love hearing the publication of you know the talking about it publication of it man fucking whiskey um, <laughs> but um the other part that i also think is amazing to do is if you are a writer and you're looking at a small press see if you can get referrals from other authors that are under that press reach out to those authors, ask them about their experience and stuff like that. Definitely. Because of that reason, some authors don't want to talk to you. They want to throw the manuscript at you and move on to their next manuscript and not like just edit it, get it out there, fix it, make it pretty, blah, move on. Right. And 
it, it you have to find a press that works with how you want to write and how you want to produce your product and it's good and you have to look at what are their covers like what is their typesetting like grab a couple of the books that they've published and read them and go do you like the kind of editing that they're doing and then talk Definitely. to the authors and go do you like working with them? What do you like working with them about? What don't you like working with them about? I think that's really, really, really important to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it comes down to just doing your research and your due diligence, which you should do no matter what type of avenue in publishing you want to do, whether it's self-publishing, small press, or getting a literary agent, you know. I know we are all, like, just hell-bent to get our, our book out there into the world, but you know, you also don't want to put your baby with just anyone because the moment one one avenue publishes it, then it kind of just eliminates all the other ones. And if you chose the one that, you know, isn't having your best interest or doesn't align with your vision, you know, you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So it's always important that, yes, we want to be published, but we want to be published in the way that fits our, our individual needs as well. Something else, too, and... You, it's, you, you mentioned this, and I've done, I did um, at the um, IRIE event in uh, Orlando a couple of years ago, I did a uh, panel on editing, and it wasn't that, you know, I myself, I'm a great editor, I suck at it, okay? I mean, you know, if you, I'm just not an editor, but your editor is not there, and I think a lot of, you, you're talking about trying to get things out and everything, especially if you're self-published. You're, you've got to get your bottom line. You want your books out and in front of people. People tend to skip the proofreading part. And I don't mean proofreading after it comes back from edits. I mean before you send it to your editor. Mm -hmm. And if you can, be, as an author, if you cannot be bothered to, and this is going to get me in trouble, as an author, if you cannot be bothered to read your work before you send it to your editor, why should the readers bother to read your book at all? Oh my gosh, well, I'm an editor, so the fact that you just said that, thank you. <laughs> and because... Now, I'm not saying that the shit I send to Katrina is, like, the best in the world, and sometimes she comes back and she's like, girl, could you possibly say repeat another time? Please, do a search, <laughs> do a search, find the word repeat, and delete it. <laughs> it's a different word. You know, I'm not saying that the shit that I send to her is perfect, it, by any means, and it, it's not going to be, it's it's raw, it's there, but you should read through it, you know, make sure that you've called your character the right name, my world's worst thing that I do is I'll have a character that has a difficult name because I'm stupid, and I'll spell it four different ways, Right. right. okay, well, I mean, that shit like that happens, but you should take time at the end of it to do a read through the whole thing. At least once. No, I, I and, agree with that. That's 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 exactly because, like, you know, as like an editor, our goal is to try to like clean up and get your vision up the way that you want it. But also, if it's too chaotic, it's very difficult to catch all those things because then you're trying to like, am I? I'm checking for this, and I'm this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and, and you know, words missing, and it takes you out of the scene. You know, it. I. <laughs> That, and I've had authors that will stand up, and even at that, they stand up and say, well, that's what I pay an editor for. No, that's not what you pay an editor for. You've got content editors. You've got line editors. You've got, I mean, there's, you know, at least two or three different editors that your book will see before the end of the product. Proofreader is a whole nother step. And it comes at the beginning, and it comes at the end. 
and a couple times at the end even sometimes just to make that last little bit but I think as self-published authors and I will include myself in this too sometimes we tend to skip some of those steps because we don't think that they're important or maybe we know they're important but like I say that's what we pay the editor for well no really it's not what you pay the editor for that's not what you pay the editor for the editor doesn't do that and while we're on this topic it doesn't end with the book being published you get your book up there for pre-order now the work starts because you've got to promote this bitch and that is not the job of the publisher yes they will do some but as an author you've got to do that too okay I'm sorry I'm oh no I and here I am and I get on my soapbox and well, I mean I just want to jump in and say one thing enough. about that is that even if like it's funny because I've I listen to like a lot of you know interviews with other authors, even the ones that are traditionally published with the big four, and the thing that blew my mind is even if let's say you get picked by Penguin, Macmillan, Simon Schuster, you still have to do marketing because typically what happens is let's say they have thirty titles that they've chosen for their fall season, right? Mm -hmm. Only one of them is going to get that huge backing that you see where that book is just blasted on everything. Mm -hmm. The other ones still have to do all the work. So there's this misunderstanding that if I get picked by the big four, I don't have to do anything. And that is not the mindset you need to have. No matter where you are, whether you are in the with a big four, small press, or self-published, you have to market. Because if yeah. not... Your book, the only one who's going to care the most about your book is you. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Yeah, I agree. And before we keep going, because we're past the 30, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> and we'll be right back with Drinking with Authors. This is the voice of Drinking with Authors. You are at our commercial break. And our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. refreshing drinks things like that um so we were talking about editing and all of this stuff um let's talk a little bit so um you mentioned a word you use i love hearing about um what writers have as bad habits because we all get to share our bad habits together everybody realizes this with me <laughs> DC, oh, I <laughs> okay so uh, <laughs> i bet i've said that more on this show now i freak out when i write the word realize i do control f to go how many times have I said realize in this manuscript? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm um, okay as long as it's not like 50 times in the same paragraph, which I'm bad for sometimes. I don't know how it happens. It just happens. <laughs> so what do you, what do your characters do? What is your, what is your biggest that you need to control find on? Body. Margaret doesn't like the word body. And I like to use the word body. And so I have to go through and look for that every single book and try to find a different way of saying body without actually saying body <laughs> that one is a big one and i'm really good i'm really bad for the you know 
da 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 this happened and everything. Still, she went ahead and did X, Y, and Z. Still, and yet, you know, things like that. I, I find that, and it's that, that's more of a me thing. I'll go through and see it and be like, ah, I did it again. Ah, twice in the same sentence. Oh, my God. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I, it'll be a different word every book sometimes or a different phrase every time, but it will be in that book so many times that it's just in no way, shape, or form acceptable. I, I can't even sometimes. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really bad. And at the end, when, I try, when I'm reading through, I try to be conscious of that. And then I'll go through and search my phrases or whatever. It doesn't always work. And then, <laughs> then Katrina will send it back. And in one paragraph, she'll have six words highlighted. And she's like, yeah, I might want to get a thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> the thesaurus is our friend. <laughs> Thesauruses are our best friends in the entire world. Don't get too creative with them, though. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen authors, like, go, you know. The are has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in the, oh. When I'm reading a book, and obviously it's great, the English language is very, you know, we've got a lot of words. I almost said verbose, and that's wrong. Okay, whiskey. Um, so, but when you take a word and you put a word that nobody in the fucking world will understand what that word means and you have to fucking look it up, you're out of that story. It's done when you're reading it and you're like, yeah. okay, I can't even get context around what this word is. And I go, Oh my God, why would you do this? Why would you do this to your, your reader? And especially depending on genre, if you're sci-fi, knock yourself out. Use all the big fucking scientific words you want to because you know people who read sci-fi for the most part will sometimes look up that shit or even try to replicate what they read in the book into real life. We're going to build a TARDIS. Like, that's going to happen. So, but don't write in the middle of like a erotica book some ridiculous English word that hasn't been used since the 1800s about something. Like, ah. mm. Okay, that was my soapbox rant for a moment. <laughs> okay, I hear you. <laughs> <Okay>. I hear you. <laughs> what, what do you consider yourself incredibly good at as a writer? Oh, man. Maybe dialogue. I find I can get lost in the dialogue. I, 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 that's kind of sad in a way because I'm having a conversation with myself. Isn't that the very definition of crazy? And they always tell you it's okay to talk to yourself, but don't answer yourself. Well, I answer I, myself all the time. I'm, that means I I'm find not that just... when I'm writing, the probably the thing that goes the fastest for me is when I'm in a big dialogue bit. I mean, I can they can go back and forth like for an hour nonstop, and I don't feel like I've forced the issue. Does that make sense? I guess it doesn't to me when I read it. It doesn't seem stilted, and I have. You know, that's, I guess that's one of my biggest things. If you're, if a book's going to be realistic, especially, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're talking fantasy, fiction, you know, none of it's real, right? But if you want the reader to suspend that disbelief, then your characters have to be able to talk like a real person. And I guess maybe just because I appreciate that in other authors' works, I try really hard to make mine sound like a real conversation. Maybe I if, think that that's sense? brilliant. There's a lot of um, authors that we've talked to, even on this podcast, that go dialogue is their hardship. And I, as a I reader, love dialogue. I, I love, love dialogue. I love too. writing dialogue. I mean, you know. I have those conversations with, I will have the conversation out loud with myself and the pacing of it. And do I need to put a little descriptor 
like when they say it so that yeah. like if I'm saying something, um, I joke all the time that sarcasm should have a font. So like sarcasm <laughs> is hard to write that you have to put a little bit of descriptor around it mm -hmm. instead of going, he said sarcastically. I hate right. that. That that drives Vanessa just got a look as you can tell on her face from the he said blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, she hates that. She hates when you do that. But you have to find sometimes ways to describe it. I'd love I'm I'm telling you, anybody out there wants to take this idea and make a sarcasm font for my phone, I will fully appreciate it because I'll write things and I'll get question marks back and I'm like, that was sarcastic. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, and that's really hard, but yeah, like you say, I mean, it's hard to get sometimes, and I struggle with it too, but it's hard to get sometimes the, the pacing of it, and going with what, how you hear it in your head, and then putting it on the page sometimes can be a challenge, but it's by far my most favorite part of writing is dialogue, and I like it, and I'm not saying that I do it great, but to me, I feel like that's probably the best thing that I do as a writer. No, Maybe I, it's just I, because I love it so much. Do you no, I think it's great. Go ahead, Vanessa. Oh, I was say, do you ever find yourself just like getting lost in your dialogue and then having to put in the actions later? Because like mm -hmm. sometimes you get, you're just like in the flow. I'm like, okay, this character is saying this, and then this one's saying this, and then you go back and you're like, oh, no one has any body movements going on over there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because Margaret did this exercise once, and she included this was back in the early days. She included us all, and it's like, okay, everybody's going to write a story, and all it is is dialogue. There's no dialogue tags. There's no, you know, this character or that character. You're just going to write it by, you know, what they're saying. Obviously, each person has a different line, just like normal, but there's no dialogue tags. There's nothing. It's just dialogue. And it was fun. It was a fun exercise. It was yeah, a really I, fun exercise. It kind of forces you to make that dialogue very impactful <laughs> so that you get, you can kind of visualize what their movement is. Is which is which what I am sure about uh, not Valerie um, Erica would know because she does screenwriting that you know you have to make those the dialogue impactful so then you can just visualize exactly what that uh, character is doing as they say yeah. this you know and which is what movie scripts are like no totally it's mostly dialogue a lot of directors don't even want you to put scene settings and stuff in the scripts they just want the dialogue in a really brief like they're at a diner done and then the dialogues that go back and forth they don't want you to do that did you win did you bitch kill? ass motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> he did so as um so you you do this uh oh my god what was the question i was about to ask what i'm sorry <laughs> um, you like listening to music and stuff like that when you write what is your best writing setting Oh gosh, um, a lot of it depends on what I'm writing. Um, I did a I did a book once about a rock band, and I listened to '80s hair bands like through the whole thing. '80s hair bands, Metallica, uh, you know, just anything that could get my guitar on, just you know, as screamy as it was, the better it was. But then there's times I want the noise, but I don't necessarily pay attention to it, so I'll put on something that I've you've seen 50,000 times a movie or something and just have the noise in the background and I hear it and it just kind of I guess that's my white noise um and then sometimes I guess depending on you know what it is or whatever like I said I just want quiet I don't want anybody talking to me I'll get out to the garage I'll shut the doors turn on the fan and just try to do as much as I can usually that's when I'm 
on crunch time and you know it's got to be done now and I don't need any distractions I want to just let everything flow as well as I can but yeah different things for different genre for different situations even you know uh, do you ever music. post your playlists like on Spotify or anything? Twice I did, I think. Uh, there was a song once, and I can't remember. It was by Disturbed. It was a a um, Phil Collins redo, maybe it, that they had. It wasn't Sound of Silence, right? Because that was Sound of Silence. Well, no, no, that <laughs> was that Simon and Garfunkel recently. Uh, yeah, that's Simon and Garfunkel. But this one was um, Genesis, but I can't remember. It wasn't Mama. It wasn't. There was another. But it was another really. Pro- I don't know. But I had posted it because it, for some reason, I found it on my Pandora playlist. My I had a Ramstein Pandora playlist, and it came up with that. I guess because it's just disturbed and they scream a lot. And uh, that song, for some reason, just stuck. And so I stick it on loop, and it's just playing through the whole time I'm writing in that session. And I posted. I'm like, oh my god, this is so fucking great. You guys gotta hear this. And uh, you know, at the same time, that was what got me through that scene i don't know why had nothing to do with anything going on in the scene it just for some reason stuck in my head and that's what i what i wanted (laughs) and you know what i have to say this i actually would like more authors to include their playlists share their songs with their facebook instagram whatever because i feel like it's almost an immersive experience if writers can talk about what they like to drink so like uh val one of our things she loves this um lavender latte that they have at this coffee shop she used to go every sunday morning for three hours or so and just write straight it was like her best writing time obviously before covid and the world shut down and she would get a lavender latte and i'm like she'd talk about it and i think to myself and then um sharing the playlists and stuff like that i go you know what is amazing is your readers could always put on the playlist, grab that latte, and read the book, and almost be immersed in what it was like for the writer to put that together. And anyway, this is my drunk idea of the day. I think <laughs> we create immersive experiences. Well, that all goes back. That all goes back to marketing too. I mean, you know, you've got to get readers vested in you as an author. You know, they got to like you. They've got to be able to relate. And I, I mean. I think this podcast is kind of a point that I, that I make. It doesn't always have to be about the books every time you're talking about stuff. I mean, yes, they want to know all about this, but they also want to know what you are like as an ordinary human being because they want to relate to that, or at least that's been my experience. I've had chats where we talked nada, nothing at all about books. Just there was one day I was trying to think of a song because I'm like, you know, that would be a great title for, there's like a word in the, or a, a phrase in the song, like that would be a great title for this particular book that I'm working on, but I cannot think of it. And we spent an hour trying to figure out what the song was. I couldn't remember. I was just like, I don't know. It talks about this, this, and this. And they would spit out song after song and we'd go on YouTube and look them up with the lyrics and everything. It's like, nope, that ain't it. <laughs> People talked about that chat, and this was probably 10 years ago, so it was literally a chat on Yahoo groups. People talked about that chat for probably six months. Just like, oh, do you remember when? And I'm like, oh, no, don't get me started because I'll try to think of that song again and I'll not be able to figure it out because I could figure it out the first time. But I mean, I I think in what posting playlists and, you know, what you're eating at the time or what you're drinking at the time or what movie you're watching while you're watching this is like you said, it's a whole immersive. This is what I was feeling at the time. And it's a good marketing tool, a very good marketing tool. 
something that kind of brings you down to earth as a person and lets readers see you as the goofy, crazy, bitchy ass person you are, you know? I know. I think that's amazing. Vanessa, did you have a question? Oh, no, I actually, I do, I, see, I listen to music when I write, but also another thing, I don't know if you guys relate, but I'll even light candles while writing, because certain scents kind of trigger yeah. scenes, like, especially if you, like, have a scene where they're in the snow, and there's, like, a bunch of trees, like, I have, like, pine-scented, like, mm -hmm. snow-scented candles, and, oh, I, I just, sometimes it's great just to have a nice scent to kind of, like, yes, get you definitely. Definitely, okay, yeah. Introduce the immersive experience of what is the writer drinking, what are they eating, what scents are around them, what is the music. You create the whole ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea. I think this is a great idea. I'm going to, I just wrote it down so I don't forget about this. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about it. Let's talk about your readers and reviews. How do you feel about reviews? <sighs> well, if it's great, obviously I love it. Yay, go me. I, <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't take constructive criticism well. I do have a huge problem when a reader says, oh, the book was great. It was too short. So I'm giving it a two. I'm sorry. The page count's there. That bothers me. I mean, if the only reason you didn't like my book was because it was 120,000 words, then that's not a fair review of my work. Mm -hmm. Oh no, not at all. I always at think the same time, I, at the same time, I still try to say, you know, you know, thank you for your review. You know, I'm glad you enjoyed the story. And I try to find something positive to say because, you know, that's their opinion. They're entitled to it. I just wish you wouldn't post it on Amazon like that, you know, and it hurts. It hurts. I'm not going to lie. It does. It hurts. Yeah. You, I, I think <laughs> you have to ignore those. I, I've talked about this review that is like to me and it wasn't a book review. It was a restaurant review where they said the food was amazing, the service was fantastic, the lime or lemon in their masculine mule was not as fresh, one star. What? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's not, yeah. And it's but it's an exact book. example of what people, you know, you can't, to me, it's one thing if you get several reviews that are like, I had a big problem because the character's name changed twice. If you get two or three reviews, Maybe go look to see if that fucking character's name changed yes. and get that fixed. Because that's yes. a that's a legitimate like. Um, but if 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 it's if it's not long enough, it's if it's too too long. If it's not their kind of book, don't review it. Just don't don't bother doing that because uh, it's not a legitimate review. And to me, as authors, I think we have to take those and go thanks and just throw them in the toilet and away yeah, I, and ignore them. And anybody who actually legitimately reads the review, I don't think goes, oh, it's way too short. I think they go, what? What it was? <laughs> you know? Literally, the longest book that I ever wrote was probably 62,000 words. And it's one of those that I've self-published. Actually, I think Shar had it published. And when she shut down, I just took it. And I intended to self-publish it, but just never have yet. Um, but yeah, longest book I had ever written, like 62,000 words. I was so fucking proud of it, right? And it's like the second review I got on it was, you know, great storyline, great characters, just too short. It was too short. And I'm like, really? You have any idea how hard I busted my ass to get those extra 30,000 words that I'm not used to putting in there? And it was kind of a deflative moment. But again, what do you do? She probably was not. And I had never written. I mean, 
up until that point, the longest book I'd ever written was maybe 30,000 words. So my readers knew this was not the norm for me. So I kept think, consoling myself with the fact that maybe she's a new reader. Great. That's good. We like new readers, right? But she just, you know, didn't like it because it was too short. I mean, she liked it. I, I won't tell you that. She liked it. She even said she liked it, but it got a one star because it was too short. Well, and, and that's just dumb. And I really would hope you don't take that personally because that's... No, it is what it is. Moving on from that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, real quick, because we are coming up on the end of this. What advice would you give to authors out there? I haven't asked that question in a while, and I love that question. Uh, grow a fucking thick skin, okay? <laughs> oh. Grow a fucking thick skin. Do not, do not expect that you're going to get rich overnight. Do not expect that your first book is going to be the end-all be-all to everything romantic fiction has to offer. Do not expect that even after 10 years that you're going to be making a decent salary and can be able to quit your day job because the bottom can and will fall out of it at least once or twice or three times during your career if you make it that long. You know, have a backup plan. Don't lose sight of your dream. Keep, you know, you've got to plug away. I mean, it's all, it's like any business endeavor. You know, it's got its ups and downs and ins and outs and everything like that. But if you're truly serious about doing something like that, you know, just keep sight of your vision and don't let everybody drag you down. But at the same time, use some common sense about it. I mean, you can't just get a book accepted, get it published, and overnight you're just going to up and quit everything. I mean, that's just not smart, you know. But above all, just grow a thick skin and push through it and find your readership. Take the time to find the readers that you're targeting and learn what they like and learn what they don't like. You're not writing for yourself. I mean, some people probably do, but if you're only writing what you want to write, you know, you may or may not be successful, but if you really, truly want your want readers to engage with you, you've got to find something that the readership you're targeting likes. And it may or may not be what you like, and if it's not, then you probably need to look for a different readership and find somebody who can fit in with your mold. Don't expect people to mold to you because that ain't going to happen. With Amazon, there are too damn many people out there. I mean... I hate to bastardize it, I guess, and say that you need to conform. That's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you've got to find the audience that clicks with you and target that audience in your marketing and write your stuff for them. That I may mean you have to compromise some, but, you know, don't we have to compromise in everything in life? It's it not a purist look at it. You can't be a purist if you're going to be a writer. You just can't. Well, you can if you're not going to be a writer that's trying to make money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. You can absolutely do that if you're not yep. trying to make the dollar dollar bills, y'all. You can be as pure <laughs> as you want to be. Here is the driven fucking snow. There we go. Okay, how do people find you? Um, my website is martikacarlin.com. Uh, just all one word. Um, you can also find me at Changeling Press. Uh, book, book, everything, pretty much everything involved with me is Martika Carlin. Twitter. Awesome. Facebook. I try to keep it simple. Um, if you find me on Facebook, my group name is Martika's Magic. Um, but if you just friend me, then you'll find, I mean, the links are all there. But it's all on my website. Every link to everything that I've got is on my website, martikacarland.com. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. You have been fantastic as a guest. It's been fun. It's been great. Awesome. 
Very cool. And thank you for being on. Yay. And uh, of course, and this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. And I'm Vanessa Valiente. And we will see you next time. I forgot we're waving. <laughs> <laughs>